I'm Sasha Sagan, and this is Strange Customs. So there's this planet. It's mostly blue. It orbits a yellow dwarf star. At least that's how they think of it. And there are these creatures on it. Well, there are a lot of different kinds of creatures there. And they're all fascinating, honestly. But there is one type of creature that really does the weirdest stuff. Ugh, where to begin? Well, one thing that they have been doing for a long time is sort of pairing up. It isn't always in pairs. Sometimes it's more than two of them. But they make these formal promises. It can be very elaborate depending on the situation, depending on where and when they are on the planet. It's often part of their mating ritual, but it doesn't have to be about reproduction at all. Sometimes it's about resources or these chemicals that get released in their nervous system centers that make them do all sorts of funny things. Anyway, they make these formal promises to, like, be together, sometimes until they're no longer animate, sometimes just for a very short time. They do it so many different ways that they can't really agree on a definition of what it is, but it's very important to them. It's very strange. Um, marriage. Let's marriage. <laughs> marriage. You are a married diving person. In. Diving in. I'm a married person. Today, I'm talking to one of my favorite people, my dear friend Brandon Kyle Goodman, actor, author, activist, TV writer, Instagram icon, and author of the new book You Got to Be You. You're a married person. When I met you, you were not a married person. So I'm just really curious, like how your idea of marriage when you were growing up changed to what it is now that you're experiencing it? What did you picture that is the reality? And what did you picture that is was totally not? I love that question. Um, I don't get asked about marriage a lot, quite <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I think it's such a fascinating, weird thing that we do. Yeah. Um, because it's like, it's this thing that you're like, as soon as you're born, like the first fairy tale you like read is like Cinderella, right? It's like immediately yeah. they're like, you got to get married, baby. What are you doing with your life? So your yeah. whole, your whole childhood, your teenage years, your high school years, college, all of it is like, I got to get married. I don't know. <laughs> my worth and my value is from getting married. Um, and so I think I grew up also understanding the relationship of marriage being heterosexual and also right. quite white <laughs> uh, was like yeah. all the images of it were white cis heterosexual people you know falling in love and the the craziest thing that i think has come from that in my adulthood is that no one ever talked about happily ever after right it was everything was like everything yeah. was like oh they love each other they got married <laughs> like wonderful and like yeah. that's kind of it but there's never like hey, these two people have their own traumas, have their own history, yeah. their own experiences. Uh, and that's going to impact the health of this relationship and whether or not this relationship will be healthy and will be good. Um, and that that's going to take work. 
I thought it would just be like starry eyes and kissing and good sex. And right. <laughs> well, all the emphasis is on getting to the point when you're married. Yes. And like that is the, so often the end of the story rather than the beginning of the story. Yes. And it's like when we talk about like rites of passage, like the guy who coined the term rites of a rite of passage um, talked about rituals as like a threshold. And it's like you're mm. one way and then you go through this like portal and you come out the other side and things are different. And it's like the wedding or mar getting married. And we'll talk about a wedding versus yes, getting married. <laughs> right. A marriage. Yes. Right. It like is this portal where you're two people who are just like independently in the world, even if you've been committed for years, and then you go through this threshold, this portal, and you come out the other side and it's like, well, what are you then? And how is it different? Yes. If it is different, or is it just like now we do our taxes together? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think in some ways it's expected to be different, but I also think it depends on how you how your runway was, right? Like if some people have this runway, which I listen, I, I don't like, I don't judge. I'm like, whatever makes you happy, do that. But I would strongly recommend not waiting until you're married to move in with somebody or have sex with yeah. them. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I would strongly recommend doing that beforehand because that changes everything. But if you've done that, right? Like I Matthew and I lived with each other for a while right. before we were engaged. We had sex a lot before we engaged. So when we got married, it didn't feel like much of a shift. It felt like there was an external shift where it's like people start to like respect you different. It's the difference yes. between telling your job, my boyfriend is sick versus my yes. husband. Sick, right when your boyfriend is sick they're like okay and <laughs> and I, no, this is you're so right I mean this is something that John my husband as you as you know um yes, my brother and husband. I, yes your brother husband of it, and I talked about a lot because like in, when we got married like, we were still living in New York and he would always say like if I get into a taxi and I say oh we have to make a stop I need to pick up my girlfriend the taxi driver is like, okay, well, some next week you're gonna be picking up somebody else. It's rush hour. Like, I don't want to. And but if it's like we have to make a stop, I have to pick up my wife. It's like, oh, oh it's my like, goodness, yes, sir. On, we don't I'm want on your team. Your wife waiting on the street. What if it starts to rain? Your wife, we must go. We get must her. go catch your wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the right. day, what you're signing up for is a partner, like remove wife, remove husband, right. remove spouse. It's your partner. It's that person that you're saying, I want to move the world with. Both of you should have your eyes open, should be fully mm -hmm. aware of what you're signing up for uh, and agreeing to that partnership as opposed to getting lost in the lust and the fantasy of, yeah. I've been proposed to and now right. I'm valuable because somebody wants to marry me. You know, Because I've been told since I was a little kid that yes. this was the goal. Because the other piece of it is we're both, so we're both like, I, I'm non-binary, but at the time identifying as a man. So, you know, yeah. two same sex individuals. And so yeah. obviously we all know the man that proposes to the woman. Right, 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 right. Like, which we can get into that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were like kind of arguing about who would propose to who. And my therapist, uh, a wonderful Latina queer woman was like, why are y'all being so strange? Oh, I know like, all about Vanessa from the book. <laughs> you know about yes. Vanessa? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're talking about Vanessa in the book. Yeah. But she was like, why are y'all acting so straight? And it was like, oh, oh, all right. I guess you're right. Like that's such a patriarchal yeah. heterosexual norm to like have the man propose. Like, why can't we plan it together and propose to each right. other? 
and you know what strikes me so much is you're talking about like a really non-traditional air quotes way of doing things and living together first and sleeping together first and talking about all this but the goal for all of those things why because you want to have a marriage that lasts the rest of your yes, lives, yes, which is a very yes. traditional thing, right? The reason that you want to do all this and like kick the tires to put it bluntly, but like really see what yes. you're getting is because the goal is to stay married until yes. you die, which is very traditional. And all that, and but, but plot twist, do it because you're like really having a great time, not because yes. you're not allowed to leave, all the doors are locked, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so growing up, you write in the book about uh, your grandmother was a pastor and yes. about the religious upbringing that you have. But it also sounds like you're you got exposed to a lot of different philosophies, not just yes. like Protestantism. Um, yeah. How much was religion like wrapped up in your idea of marriage, if it was at all? And like, also, I'm just sort of curious, like you know, you talk so much about identity in the book of in terms of um, race and sexuality and gender. And you talk about religion, but you don't really talk about like how you identify religiously explicitly. Yeah. And I'm curious if these things are like totally separate God and marriage or if they're mm -hmm. intertwined at all for you. They were when my when I was first exposed to what marriage was. It was very much about like you get married in church, like you're it's right. it's a union you're making under God. I can't remember the first time I went to a wedding that wasn't in a church, but I remember it being like oh, you could do it in yeah. a park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, we could just be at a park. And, oh my god, yeah. it could be like like that's wonderful. <laughs> like it, I don't know, like the stress of like church was like off of it. It was like oh my god, this is so lovely. It's like oh, yeah. or you can do it, it you know, at, at the restaurant you first met at. Like like there's something that felt so romantic and beautiful and about the two people as opposed to about society and church. Like church just felt like. I didn't have that connection to church. And part of that is being queer and never fully fitting in. So this idea that I had to get married in a church always felt strange and hard. And like, I guess I'll do that. But like, uh, I in the book, uh, I'm not religious. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm spiritual. And I try to make that a very clear distinction that I think religion is wrapped up in a lot of rules. It's beautiful. Like if you're religious and you love religion, please, whatever, whatever yeah. makes you a good person, whatever fills your cup up, do it. I love it. Um, but for me, the relationship became really contentious because religion, I, I, I wasn't safe inside of a right. religious space. Um, and so I had to find something outside of it. And I say in the book that like, I stopped going to church. I wasn't reading my Bible, but I was like yearning and missing this spiritual connection and really expanding what that means. Like to me, spirituality doesn't, it could be meditation. It could also be like laying on your, your yard and looking at the stars. It could be going on a hike. Totally. Like, it could be watching your favorite YouTube videos of, of Whitney Houston singing. Like it's, it's what, whatever fills your heart and fills your cup and brings you joy and allows you to feel like you can be grounded. That to me is the purpose of spirituality. Um, not, you know, this book of rules of things you can and can't do and should and shouldn't say. It's like, just be a good person. That's it. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, be a yes. good person. Whatever makes yes. you a good person and allows, like, if you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, like, then that is, that, that's, the religion, if anything, like, yeah. like not yeah. this other, um, everything's so far away. Like this, you know, for me with Christianity specifically, it's like, God is so, 
it's like this white man in the sky. Literally, it's a white man in the sky with a long beard and a book that's like, ah, you can't get in here. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. That just seems, <laughs> you know, no, like, listen, again, if that's your vibe, that's your vibe. But for me, I'm like, I yeah. just feel like we're far more complicated than that. Like this yeah. universe is far more complicated than a white man with a book that's going, nah, baby. You can't Don't be it. masturbating <laughs> down there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you got married, when you and Matthew got married, like talk us through how you got married and what religious or traditional elements you kept, if anything, um, yeah. and just like how you did it and how you decided to do it. Yeah. So when we decided to get married, um, we were like, okay, we're going to plan a, a wedding. Baby, weddings are a scam. Love them. Do them. <laughs> <laughs> Invite me to it, please. I, I love going. Love the open bar. Sasha had one of the most incredible weddings, most beautiful. And by the way, your wedding was so beautiful because it was in a place that was important to the two of you, right? It wasn't in a church. It was like, you really felt it was about you and John and, and you could feel that. And like that, I'm here for Thank Celebrate you. that. Um, Thank you. It's still one of my favorite weddings. Um, and an inspiration for us, I think, too. It really inspired me how I wanted to um, move forward with Matthew and, and how we wanted to plan something. Um, but we were trying to plan this wedding. And maybe the chairs were like something like $10,000. And we said, now wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Maybe the chairs are $10,000? That seems crazy. Uh, I still have student loan debt. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. The more we were like trying to like look at locations and packages and blah, 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 it was like, the really, the, it was like, I, I do not want to have this wedding and then be in debt, even more debt, yeah. you know, like that seems to make no sense. Um, and so we were like, all right, let's table this for a second. Um, and then we decided that we would get married at the Santa Barbara courthouse because we love mm. Santa Barbara. We've been there a couple of times together. One of our first day trips was to Santa Barbara, mm. which if you don't know why Santa Barbara is important, it's important because Oprah Winfrey lives there. Obviously. Okay, yes. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Santa yeah. important. Yes. <laughs> well, it we didn't even have a it. name until she moved there. And now. Honestly, I think if people were like, yeah, that place in California. And then Oprah was like, we'll call it Santa Barbara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the true history lesson. Um, so we went, you know, we, we would go to Santa Barbara and have these lovely day trips. And the courthouse is notoriously gorgeous, stunning. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful courthouse. What is the, I mean, it's is it justice of the peace. Who is the person who's officiating? I can see his face. I don't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, he, but he was like the, he's like the guy who like signs your paper and he right, put right. on a little robe and everything. And yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was so sweet. And so, that was also, he was so sweet and so thoughtful. Um, oh. You know, you sometimes think a courthouse is going to be sterile. Bureaucratic. Yeah. Bureaucrat yes, that's the word. Um, And, you know, I would say it maybe some other places where like the Beverly Hills Courthouse is not cute. That's where we are licensed at. It's not cute. So maybe it would be a little, you know, more bureaucratic. Yeah. Sasha, we took these photos outside of the courthouse and I posted them and I'm swear to you, I got like five passive aggressive text messages. People like, oh, you had a wedding. Which uh, I was invited. <laughs> I was well, and that just like underscores how much it's about the community and about yes. the society. And it's like, I really think the reason we have rituals is because it's like a way of processing change. And ideally, mm -hmm. a marriage ceremony is the change for the people who are getting married to process yes. their now spouses. Yes. But I think it's also the reason it's like a play, right? With a set mm -hmm. and costumes oh, and a script a and an That's audience. A great way to say it. 
Yes. Is because the audience also, you're like second cousin and his great aunt and like all these yes. people, your ex coworker also want to process this change. Yeah. And now, okay, Brandon and Matthew are now married. Like, and it's yes. like, that's, and then people are like, now I'm just supposed to wrap my mind around this without <laughs> yes. seeing it happen. Yes. You know what it also is too? When you said that, first of all, I think calling it a play is perfect. It really is like weddings to me are such a performance and they can be beautiful performances yeah. and and you know yeah. but like it if you i think if you could think about it as a play like it it can maybe take some stress off of it yes. a little bit that you're like listen i'm performing for it, this is not what my marriage looks like this is not what we look like this is what we're doing for everybody else and and it feels good to dress up i think it took for me the first year um to like fully feel it in like a, oh, you're not going anywhere kind of way. And like, a, oh, got it, got it, got it. Like, this is, we got to work through this. I would say I also really felt it right before the pandemic. We were having troubles in our relationship, um, like communication troubles. And one of those mm. things where, you know, you're repeating what you saw at home. So I had a single mother, so I didn't see marriage. He has two parents, but, you know, they have their own stuff. So we neither of us knew how to do marriage. <laughs> like, right. it wasn't really modeled like the the way, and gay marriage certainly wasn't modeled. Like how right. do you do the same sex in the same, that wasn't modeled for us. So I think- Yeah, not even vocation, like on TV, like there's not even not a, even like a sitcom oh, yes. or something <laughs> yes, where you're growing up even. and you're being like, okay, this is like the yes. 30 minute version of this. And then you yeah. add to it, you add to it like we're interracial. So like I'm black right. and he's white. And so like, what what are the things that come up inside of that? So we, you know, we were having issues. I was away in Canada shooting. We were like, we have to get it. We just like, we have to get a therapist or we have to get. Yeah. So we found this couple's uh, therapist and we met with her a few times, maybe like two months. Um, And then we like, it really gave us like this next level of language, like unlocked. Mm. Like we were able to see, because we just needed that person who was like, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. When he's saying this, this is what you're hearing. This is what it's triggering when you do this. like, you know, like we it's like having like it. a translator. Yes. Yes. To be like, this is what's happening. And this is what you can do in the moment to kind of stop it from going off the rails. Um, and then COVID happened and we were all locked in with our partners. Yeah. And as you know, many people got divorced in that time, separated. Yeah. And I swear that that couples therapy, those two months saved us. Wow. Without that language, without, I, we, the, 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 the compacting of being stuck together and not having language to talk through um, any of our, our miscommunication, or whatever. Yeah would have broken us you know we would have said or done the wrong thing that would have really and because I think all of us were acting crazy during COVID too right oh like, my god yeah <laughs> like Whew. it's just not what a human is supposed to experience so and just not like knowing how long it was gonna go on and oh like that god. first week where you were like well but I'll see you in April and yeah. then it was just like years <laughs> went by like I mean that was like yeah no of course everybody yes. of course yeah you were you were you just weren't yourself so to not be yourself and also be in a relationship that has problems and now be like locked at home with this person is a really big ask for for you to come out on the other side okay so I think that's when I felt married was when yeah. COVID happened and like wow. we were stuck with each other and we were working through stuff and like 
the fights were happening, but then they were like, okay, this is what you said. This is what I heard. But I got like, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a married person now. Goldie Hawn had, had described this years ago about her relationship that the reason they don't get married is because she likes to have her mm. little birdcage open, um, which mm. I love that visual. She's like, I just like to have the door open. It like, fits I, her <laughs> too. I feel like I picture, yeah, her, like, I don't know, that just feels right. Yeah. It feels right, right? Like, as a bird, birdcage, she's like, I just like yeah. have the door open. And I, I, I love that. And I think marriage does feel like that birdcage closes, that like you can't just get up and leave. The reality is, I think in any relationship, um, hopefully you're living from that space where I'm like, I'm not just going to get up and leave. I'm going to work right, right, through right. this, whether it's a friend, a romantic, whatever. But really and truly, I think when you get married and that, you know, that door quote unquote closes, um, you're like, oh, it's not as easy to just like get up and go. Like, I really do have to, when we have an issue, like, I'm not just going to go to my apartment and be like, I'll see you right. tomorrow when you cool off. Like, right. <laughs> it's like uh, we live with each other. We got to like figure this out. And so I think that's when you start to really feel the marriage part of it. But I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, how would if you had to talk to like a small child or an extraterrestrial or someone who had like never heard what marriage is, like, how would you describe what it is? Like, and and from the perspective mm. of like you said, how strange it is. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's a really hard question. I mean, society sees it, you know, as a union between two people usually a man and a woman, um, but, you know, gay marriage is legal here, um, but between two people who uh, want to share their lives together and love each other so much, they want to share their lives. For me, I would describe it as a, a relationship between two or more people, whoever, whatever yeah. your, your vibe is, with uh, people who have life goals and realize that they are better with each other in achieving those mm. life goals in expanding into their existence together with each other and that's not always the case like you don't need to expand into your existence with another person like you might be able to do that single solo totally like I think that's the other piece that's really toxic is that we really make mm. it seem like your worth comes from being married um, and that if you're not married then you missed this big piece of life yeah um, and that you, it's like no it's just a different experience you know what I'm saying like some people are really comfortable being single yeah. and should be allowed to do that and feel like I'm a fully worthy individual without needing to be married. Or have decades long relationships yes. with one person yes. and have just yes. have the birdcage open. Relationships are relationships. Like they get to be beautiful and expansive and 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 get to push you and heal you and grow you. Um, but marriage itself is 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 paper, you know. And I think that's the I think that's the fight for marriage equality is people saying like, this is my partner. And right. when, you know, if we last the 50, 60 years, one of us is going to die first. That's just the fucking reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let his family, who we don't talk to, right. be responsible for what happens to him. Like, I'm his wow. partner. I'm the one living with him. Like, I should be responsible for what happens to him or her or them. Because there's so much privilege that you get. Right. And that's necessary inside of the marriage. I think that's why a lot of people are like, we, you got to fight for marriage equality. Right. Part of the reason that it was so important, it wasn't just for the people getting married, but the, how society would treat them differently. And you, yes. you grow up and you're a kid somewhere and you hear a man say, oh, my husband and I, whatever, like our car broke down, like the most 
yes, very boring yes. regular things yes. or you you know you hear a woman saying like well my wife and I were stuck at the dog groomer all afternoon and it just like becomes this like thing we're just like we were talking about with the taxi drivers it becomes this normal ordinary thing that the society then has to treat with more respect respect yes but okay, I would say there's a paradox here, which is that what you just described about like at the end of someone's life being like, yeah. I still want to protect them, yeah. like even after they're gone and like make sure that their wishes are fulfilled even after yes. they're dead. Like that is so romantic. You've contradicted yourself. No. You're right. <laughs> Listen, you know from my book, I love multiple truths. I always say multiple yes. truths get to coexist. So we get to say a yes. bunch of things and they all get to be true. You're absolutely yes. right. That is so romantic that somebody wants to um honor you in that way and and have yeah. the, the the right to to see your final days and, and your your final wishes be um, come to pass. That is really beautiful to find somebody who wants to do that, you know? Um, and to have somebody who wants to do that is really, really special and beautiful. Okay, so we have this custom marriage all over yes. the world in different forms right all yeah. these different versions of what it yeah. is do we need it is it a custom that serves a purpose in a society or is it just bureaucratic is it just so that when push comes to shove if something terrible happens you can speak to the doctor of your partner i like I'm sound, sound kind of negative about it. And I actually <laughs> love being married. Love and I would like to say for the record, I'm, I love really being married into too. it. I'm yes. really into it. But is it something that we should continue? Like if you were yeah, like in you. charge tomorrow, like, should we keep doing this? Or is it something that's going to seem antiquated in a few centuries or yeah. decades? That's a really great question. And I'm fully willing to be pushed back on this. You know, I said, you said, I love being married. I love being married. Really what we're saying is we love our partners, right? Like I, yes. I love, you know, cause I, we could be married to different, we could be married to each other and we would love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it'd be so much fun. So oh much my fun. God. <laughs> I, oh my God. We would have separate beds, like but we would have so much fun. Separate rooms, separate whatever, <laughs> yeah. maybe separate homes, but like it yes. would be fabulous. It would be yeah. incredible together. The vacations, I mean, <laughs> oh, the amazing. vacations would be just uh, top notch. I'm a tourist, you know, I like luxury. Um, I told you this $10,000 And you know, I don't chairs. believe in astrology. So it's kind of like an odd couple. And that's what we'll argue about. <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to talk to historian, scholar, author, Stephanie Kuntz about this topic. She wrote a book I loved so much called Marriage of History, among other books, but that book in particular really changed the way I understood what marriage is and what it has been over history. And it was so impactful that it was cited in the Supreme Court case that decided marriage equality. Your book, Marriage of History, there is something in the very beginning of the book that has stayed with me so powerfully. I think about it all the time. This idea that marriage is almost undefinable because it has been, meant such different things over the course of history in different parts of the world, in different cultures, and it's constantly changing. And it's, it's so fascinating to have something that is so a part of our lives and our understanding that we can't even 
fully describe to one another in a way that includes all the versions that have ever existed. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Like how could, like what, what are the uh, exceptions that make the rule? (laughs) Well, I think the reason that marriage has been so hard to define is that none of its forms makes its definition. Um, We've had, people considered to be married if they just have breakfast together and are seen. They say, oh, okay, that's a marriage. Uh, We've had marriage of one man, one woman, but we've also had, and the most popular one through history, even though the most, not the most frequent one, was one man, many women. Um, But we've also, we're now only discovering how many one women, many men. Over 50 societies had polyandry in the past. And marriage has served many functions. There are also marriages between live people and ghosts that count as a marriage and determine inheritance and legitimacy rights. In one Native American society, if you wanted to have a trading partner that would last, you might make a contract with a dog if there wasn't a female or a male available to be married to you. What we do when we look at marriage beyond all of these forms that get confused. So people say, oh, one man, one woman, so that's the only way that marriage is, or this kind of love is the only way that marriage is. No, there's never been one thing like that. But marriage does have something to do with helping people understand their relationship to a wider network of others. Mm. For one thing, it creates Um, in-laws. It turns strangers into relatives. And in a much wider way than we think today, in most band-level societies, it's not only your brother-in-law that is a relative, but your brother-in-law's sister who married somebody else. Marriage is one of the ways, and only one of the ways, that people organize social relationships beyond the family. You've written about the history of also same-sex relationships and same-sex marriages in various cultures. And, you know, we have this idea that this is a new thing. And can you talk a little bit about the history of where and when that has existed as a perfectly valued and celebrated marriage like any other? Well, here's an interesting irony. Uh, The one commonality through history was that marriage was less a coordination of two biological sexes than of two different divisions of labor. Mm. It's only in the last 50 years that we have decided that marriage is an association of equals who don't have to do different tasks. So ironically, it was heterosexuals, I think, who opened the way to today's same-sex marriage. But in the past, same-sex marriage was very common wherever a man might decide that he wanted to do some version of women's labor. And that man would marry another man. Homosexuality wasn't a word that was invented until the late 19th century, but it wouldn't have considered odd because it wasn't the biological sex, it was the social role. Mm. Societies where women could become female husbands. Uh, In African cow herding societies, a woman who uh, became wealthy and had a lot of power could accumulate a bunch of cows and she could marry another woman who would do the work of dairying that women usually did when they married powerful men, and she would be the female husband. And often that woman would go on to have children by various anonymous lovers, but the children would belong 
to the female husband. So we have many, many examples of same-sex marriage in history. And when we go further in history, there are ones that look a little bit more like ours. But it's very interesting that when you had really institutionalized marriage in the past and total acceptance of same-sex marriage, it was usually because there was a division of labor by gender. So I always say that, you know, it was heterosexuals who said marriage should be about love, not about property. Marriage should be about free choice, not your parents. And marriage should be about sexual attraction. And marriage, finally, in the 80s, we started to say marriage shouldn't say that wives have to do one thing and husbands have to do another thing. And at this point, the same-sex couples said, well, now you have made marriage a relevant institution to us. <laughs> so we're joining. <laughs> yeah, wow, that is so fascinating and so revealing. When did marriages become sort of bureaucratized and become this clerical thing that had to be recorded for the civic or religious systems. And how and why did that happen? When did it become something that, you know, had to be written down? Well, I think there are two stages to that. For hundreds of thousands of years, it appears that marriage was a way of reaching out to get relatives. And so it didn't have to be written down. Both bands knew who was married to whom, and the relatives were involved. And there was this cooperation that was established by it. This is called exogamous marriage, marrying out of your own kin group and your own territory and making connections with others. But as class societies arose and got harder and there were more social differences, well, let's say I'm someone who is one of the top 5% of this emerging class society. I do not want my kid marrying someone in the bottom 75%. I'd rather marry someone exactly in ours or even a little higher. And at this point, marriage becomes a center of intrigue, uh, betrayal, and coercion to get people to marry in, into groups that will improve the family's status or wealth and exclude people that they do not want to cooperate with. That's when you need to have it formalized. There's just a fascinating period where the emerging Christian church they began to struggle for power with these emerging aristocracies and kinglets. And one of the main sources of conflict was who gets to decide whether a marriage is valid. Wow. And that's when the Christian church began to develop all of these rules for when a marriage is valid. Wow. Well, that's such a fascinating and haunting element of this. When we talk about why you get married, right? We can choose the person we love. We can live together. We can start a family. We can do all these things without this piece of paper. So often the impetus to actually do, you know, the paperwork is for health insurance or something like that. Is it a way to make sure that if something terrible happens, you can be there in the hospital with your loved one? Is it for these kind of rights that are life and death issues or financial issues more than it's about anything else at this point? Or how would you, what would you say its purpose is today in, in the United States? Well, that's a gorgeous question because it reaches a real paradox. Marriage is not obsolete. 
most people around the world, and certainly in America, think it's the highest commitment you can make. And we find that when people get married, uh, gays, lesbians, heterosexuals, if they get married, their parents are more friendly to them. <laughs> it's really, it's really a powerful emotional um, institution. So people want to get married when they feel that kind of commitment. You're so right about it being this emotional import. I mean, I'm married. I love it. Um, I've been married nine years, but we lived together for a long time before um, we got married. And we always talk about like, how, how can we define what feels different about being married? And there is something, at least one element of it that my husband and I always talk about is how much it changes the community and the larger society's view of your relationship. So how much of it do you think has always been or is today about what the rest of the community values rather than necessarily the two or more people involved? Well, I think marriage has always been about community. And in sometimes in periods, for example, in band level societies, and for most of our history, marriage was about expanding community and reaching out to other bands and making alliances with them and making sure that you owed obligations to more and more people. It was not the only way they made connections. They could do it by sworn friendships or by exchanging broken rings. The archaeologists think now think that was a very common practice. Mm. But marriage gives you not only an immediate connection, but one that lasts into the future because you'll have joint children. And that was a way of making communities more close to each other. And that's one reason that marriage was so tremendously valued and so such a big deal of celebration. But of course, as you got into uh, really class differentiated societies, it was also a way of making community, but in a different way. The idea of a male breadwinner is a very recent invention. Word doesn't come into use until 1820, mm. when we're beginning to move into wage labor and men going out to earn bread rather than people raising it together, right. uh, women you know, helping to kill the pig and take it to market. So ma marriage was always, until very recently, a joint provider situation. Um, and so marriage was very important not only to the two individuals, but to the families that they had involved. And if you were in a rich family, you needed to make an alliance with somebody who could bring you more capital. There was no, there were no banks. So marriage was not just a way of meeting an individual. It was a way of, you know, financing the rest of your farm. Yeah. Uh, for the lower classes, it was the way that you conducted your business. Bakers tended to marry other bakers, not necessarily mm -hmm. because they just fell in love with them, but because they would be a great working partnership. So communities always have had a concern for who marries and why and have taken an interest. And by the way, right up until the 18th century, when someone came according that the community didn't approve of in many peasant societies, they didn't think that would be a good addition. They threw stones. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, our customs are so much more interesting and complex than they seem at first glance, aren't they? 
even the most personal, the most intimate, somehow ends up connecting us to each other, to our wider communities. We're so much more intertwined than we realize on this little planet. And our ways of doing things are so much newer than they often seem. Like everything else in the universe, our traditions are ever-changing. Something to think about next time a wedding invitation arrives in your mailbox. Thank you so much to my guests, Brandon Kyle Goodman, for their brilliant insights and frankness and hilariousness. You can find their new book, You Gotta Be You, How to Embrace This Messy Life and Step into Who You Really Are in stores and online. And they read the audiobook, which is amazing. You can follow them on Instagram at Brandon Kyle Goodman. And thank you so much to historian and scholar Stephanie Kuntz for absolutely blowing my mind with her knowledge of the institution of marriage. Her new book will be out later this year, For Better and For Worse, The Problematic Past and Uncertain Future of Marriage. Join me next time when my guest will be author and adventurer Jedediah Jenkins. We'll be talking about something we often crave doing but can't always do. All you do is breathe delicious oxygen all day and you don't even think about it. Our theme music is by Evgeny Klemenko. Additional music in this episode by Ziv Moran, Spear Fisher, Jack Pierce, The Striker Big Band, and Blue Dot Sessions. My producer is Dale McGowan. Strange Customs is a production of Only Sky Media. Visit us online at onlysky.media slash strangecustoms. Tune in next time for more Strange Customs. <laughs>